1: Let's go places. You're listening to Comedy Central.
2: Hi, yours listeners. It's Daily Show correspondent Michael Costa and Daily Show writer Kat Radley.
3: All right. Thanks for having me.
2: We're going to give listeners a little extra, ears extra, and unpack my week as the guest host and all the work that goes into making this show come together. Let's dive right in, Kat. What was it like writing for such a monumental comedic genius?
3: Take Who your did time. I write for? Take your
2: time. <laughs> take your time with this.
3: Oh one. no, it'll be short. Don't worry. Oh shit. <laughs> um, I was like, normally comics do like razz each other, but I am going to take a yeah. minute to compliment you. Come on, because... here we go. This is what we want. Years edition, extra. Because um, you paid me a lot of money to say what I'm about to say. <laughs> Uh, But in all seriousness, as a writer on this show, it's especially fun since we do have a panel of correspondents. We get to write for different voices, which is like a fun challenge as a writer. And across the board, everybody always loves writing for you because Costa, you know, if you know in comedy, you're supposed to punch up. And as, you know, (laughs) the handsome white man in the room, he is punching up if we would make fun of him if he does self-deprecating jokes he always takes it like a champ you can play the punching bag sure but in a very like smart funny way and writing for you as a host is different because you are in charge of the show now you're not you know the funny man coming in who throws the host a curveball right like you are in control and it was a fun challenge to still write a good classic costa joke But, you know, having that new kind of uh, presence and point of view, usually you don't trust a correspondent with what they say in the show, but we did trust you as hosts. You really took control and, you know, did the job as host justice. So I think you did a great job and that's not easy to do. Thank
2: you. It's very interesting what you brought up because... That's a very clear statement you made. It's hard to trust the correspondent. And, mm-hmm. and you're right yeah. because we're coming in dressed as the lion at the zoo yeah. or getting the boat. It was a that monkey. And I did wonder if there was going to be any hurdles as Michael, the host, mm-hmm. because it's different. Yeah. And one of my favorite things as host was that I did, I got to be host. Yeah. I got to be yeah. the leader. I got to be in charge. And I didn't have to dress in the in the monkey costume or whatever. I like dressing in the monkey costume. Mm-hmm. I don't want to always dress in the monkey <laughs> yeah. costume. And it was fun to dress in the host suit. Yeah. It was nice.
3: I think for your week as host it was especially challenging okay. because it was the first show back right. after our long five-month hiatus because of the writer's strike. And... Also, the stories you got that week mm-hmm. were particularly challenging. Do you want to break down, like, those are two separate challenges that converged at the same time. Right. Do you want to talk about what it was like?
2: I think one of them was an unreal opportunity that kind of happens with with luck that there was a lot of eyes and ears on us because we've been gone for so long. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't planned. Yeah. That was luck. That was, I was very really excited that, hey, I get to, lead us into this new era after the strike people are starving for daily show how cool that it gets to be me flip side of that Mm -hmm. was there was a very still is very serious war tragedy of israel hamas war that i felt like we absolutely 100 percent, had to cover and had to cover immediately yeah and by the way when i say cover i don't mean you you do the act and it's over yeah but it would be shameful For the Daily Show, the Daily Show that I know and have watched for years to avoid a difficult subject because it's difficult. Hello. That's that's what is literally the foundation, in my opinion, of this show. Yeah. Anybody can write jokes about Trump farting at a U.N. meeting. But like doing a heartfelt, real, fresh take that is funny, but also says something about the history of Israel and Palestine, I think is just like bread and butter daily show.
3: Yeah, that morning meeting, like we have a morning meeting where we look at all the stories Mm -hmm. of the day and, you know, the host leads that meeting Mm -hmm. and we all talk as a group of, you know, what are different takes and angles to cover this. How did that first morning meeting go for you? How did you feel kind of leading it for the first time? Well,
2: actually, I should pay Scott Sherman a tribute because Sunday I was driving back in the city with my family and Dan Amira, the head writer, forwarded me this thing that Scott had written that said, hey, if Costa wants to talk about Israel-Palestine, here's a couple thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I was so thankful for that because I did want to talk about it, but I was kind of twiddling my thumbs thinking how, right? I'm a former Catholic Michigander. I've been to a bar mitzvah, (laughs) but probably, I mean, if we really want to talk, I mean, yes, I could identify Israel and Palestine on a global map, but like just, just didn't, like so many Americans, didn't understand the full history, and were afraid to even ask. So I was very appreciative that Scott sent that in, very appreciative that Dan didn't just block that, Mm -hmm. you know, sent it to me and said, what do you think? And I said, yes, 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 I love this idea. I don't love all your stupid tennis jokes, Scott. (laughs) But why don't we work with it? So coming in Monday morning to answer your question, I felt like thanks to some good effort on, on the writing staff Sunday night, I already felt like a little bit ahead of it, yeah. and I felt comfortable, and that was super helpful. And I'm certain from your standpoint, I don't know, are you guys supposed to pitch Sunday night?
3: Yeah, I mean, usually...
2: It's super helpful. Yeah, it coming back... It sucks your Sunday night.
3: Yeah, well, especially <laughs> after coming back, like after a hiatus right. or a long break, right. we try to start pitching ideas Sunday or collecting thoughts. The host does find yeah. it helpful because yeah. you have to hit the ground running as soon as the day starts. And if you can already have ideas yeah. in the tank... Makes it easier.
2: I feel like I'm turning into my mom, but I swear to God, if if even from a personal standpoint, if I take 30 minutes Sunday night and like think about what's for lunch
1: tomorrow,
2: <laughs> yeah. the, now with kids, like, are the clothes clean? Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit, my life is a lot easier. I'm turning into my parents.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you got to do your homework <laughs> you and prepare. They were yeah. right all along. They were
2: right all along. So, yeah, I was very pleased with how, how we didn't shy away from that. Yeah. And I, Daily Show did a good job.
3: And I think also your honesty about your ignorance. Because yeah. um, I felt another former Catholic oh, yeah. Virginian. Like, yeah. I also, it's not my wheelhouse yeah. either. Yeah. And I had the same thoughts. Like, you, like, said, you know, I read the Wikipedia page. Right. I don't know if you want people <laughs> no, was, to know that. No, it
2: was in the act. But that's yeah. also,
3: like, that's what a lot of people watching our show are doing, too. Of course. And I think they appreciated your honesty. And... That was the great, like the perfect take to bring people through the story because it was honest and there is humor in your ignorance. Again, you kind of let yourself be the punching bag a little bit. Uh, And that's like a great, I think, example of how you do that while also bringing people through it.
2: Good. It's my big week as guest host, and I get Israel Palestine. (laughs) I don't mean to complain, but as far as scheduling goes, this unspeakably tragic geopolitical crisis is not super convenient time for me right now. Because no matter what I come up with, people are just gonna say, this guy doesn't know what the f- he's talking about. And you're right. That's pretty much the only opinion everyone can agree on. Michael Costa is an idiot. And what do I know about the Middle East? I'm, I'm from the Middle West, I'm from Michigan. The best way I would describe my position on the Middle East is poorly educated. And that sounds harsh, but at least I'm aware of it. Because I read a lot of your posts online and sometimes it's better not to pretend you know what you're talking about. I have friends on Facebook who have the whole Middle East figured out when I know for a fact they can't even get car insurance. And everyone has an opinion for who's responsible for it. It's Israel, it's Palestine, it's Netanyahu, it's Hamas. Everyone's taking a side, but everyone is wrong. Because I spent the weekend reading two lengthy Wikipedia articles. And I think it's pretty clear who we can blame for all of this mess. The British. Okay? I think, I'll go on record to say this, I am tired of... People on TV who wear suits knowing all the answers. I'm sick of it. Yeah. They don't know the answers. Maybe they have a couple researchers. That's fine. But I think there's actually more clout in admitting, ignorance is a very strong word, admitting that you don't have this figured out and let's all work through this together. That's Mm -hmm. so much, that's so so sexier to me.
3: Yeah. It's It's so much much more human. It is. It's so much more honest. And and I think there's more room for comedy in that. Hell yeah. Yeah. We kind of touched on this a little bit. The big difference between being a correspondent, sitting at the desk, yeah. and also you had the advantage of of like the various guest hosts we've had. Mm-hmm. You're one of the correspondents who, you know, you've been here for a while. You knew what the deal was going into yeah. it. Um, how did that kind of play into your hosting week of having the familiarity and I'll say it, the trust of everyone well, at the that, show? That's the
2: same word I was going to use. Yeah. I... Maybe if I was just coming in as an outsider, I would be a little more skeptical. Like, do the writers know who I am? Mm-hmm. Do I do I trust that they can write a funny joke? I mean,
3: not all writers still know who you That's are. That's
2: true. <laughs> I definitely trust the system here. Mm-hmm. I trust the process. It's been on air for 25, 26 years. There's a lot of stuff you learn, a lot of efficiencies. They figured out how to be most productive. So it was nice to... Let the machine work and to be at like a little bit of a higher position in the machine where I could help guide it towards mm-hmm. what I thought was interesting. It was fun to kill a couple Trump jokes,
3: yeah,
2: you know, it's I don't want I don't a good feeling. I don't want to talk about this, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think this is that interesting. But then also one comes across and you go, this one is interesting. Let's talk about this one. So that's really fun because typically, as a correspondent, I'm not deciding <laughs> yeah. i can I can adjust jokes and and if I don't feel comfortable, whatever. but I'm not deciding what we're talking about. So it was fun to play God for a week.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah you were a real monster the whole week. <laughs> no.
2: uh, but I also think the familiarity, it just only helps. So much of comedy, as you know from a performer too, it's just be- being comfortable. Yeah. You know, like I'm sure it's the same with you for stand up. Correct me if I'm wrong, but my stand up has just gotten. Closer and closer to who I actually am Mm -hmm. and get more comfortable on stage. And I felt like I I feel very comfortable in this building. And I think the writing staff feels comfortable with me. I just only helped.
3: Yeah. I think that honesty, comfort and confidence. I mean, that's really what you need to deliver a joke like the best you can. Now, in terms of your guests. So you brought on Ian Bremmer. I
2: hate when the show goes over to the guests. (laughs) I had Ian Bremmer, Israel, Palestine. He's a political scientist. I then had Emily Oster, who's a, a parent data expert, parenting mm-hmm. world. I then had on musician, Pulitzer Prize winner, Grammy winner, Rihanna Giddens, who did a performance for us. Yeah, also, a Really powerful performance. She sang a song called "Another Wasted Life," and behind her, she she paired with the uh, Pennsylvania Innocence Project. Behind her, the show. Good job control room directors lighting put up the images of all these imprisoned wrongly imprisoned mm-hmm. people that their wrong wrongful imprisonment added up to over 500 years it's oh, crazy it's like God. it's insane and then the last guest was survivalist Jordan Jonas who is a friend of mine and I was very thankful for him as a guest because it was nice to just talk to a dude mm-hmm. about shit that I find fun yeah not that I don't like parenting or Rihanna Guinness music or Ian Bremmer, but they're just a little, it was, it was more, they're more serious yeah. topics.
3: I think you earned it. You deserve yeah. a little break <laughs> exactly. at the end. Did you want to say anything about like how you chose them or what it was you were looking for in a guest?
2: I wanted an eclectic mix, which we definitely got. Mm-hmm. A lot comes down in booking to availability of guests. Yeah. You know, I really wanted a uh, tennis player pro tennis player duh
3: they're all
2: in china (laughs) they're all playing in china beth and shauna booking department that is a that is a tough job every publicist is like pitching them and they've got to deal with all this bs and
3: it's so hard to schedule drinks with a friend i know and now you're like (laughs) booking
2: you know so i asked for the israel palestine i said we really need somebody that can digest this Distill it, mm-hmm. uh, an expert because it's not me,
3: yeah,
2: and I'm comfortable saying that. And that was just such a beautiful booking because I could make my jokes up front. I could make a quick take that I I still stand by that take. Britain did start this 100 years ago by yeah. drawing maps. I mean, the Romans started 3,000 years ago, but that's, that's a different podcast. Uh, and they booked Ian, and he was great. You know, Ian, tell tell me what's going on. Parenting. I learned a lot from that interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simple question. Not to be insensitive, but for so many Americans that see this as something so far away, why should they care
0: about what's happening? Because in principle, we, the United States, stand for something beyond just ourselves. Uh, I mean, maybe America First doesn't quite say that, but the Statue of Liberty does. We all came from somewhere, right? I mean... the the jews and the palestinians are the same people they came from the same place they've grown up in the same home um and and we as americans who have historically represented that ethos better than anyone else on the planet how can we not care when that is falling apart right now in the most tragic possible way in front of our eyes how can we not care about that yeah that's why it matters to us as Americans. Not because oil's going to 150, <laughs> not because people are losing their jobs, not because, right. no. It's because we as Americans if we stand for anything, we stand for that.
2: And then Emily Oster, my wife, just has all her books and has helped us in parenting. You read her book. You yeah. read her, I was wondering. Her if, pregnancy if, book, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then Rihanna and Giddens, I love the idea of a musical guest. Uh, to be honest, I wasn't fully aware of her prior to the booking, but one of those wonderful surprises where it's like, holy shit, I can't believe this person hasn't been on radar. And that's kind of what I loved about her. Mm-hmm. She's so accomplished, but she's not... A master marketer yeah she's not a master instagrammer she's just a master at this craft mm-hmm. and a lot of her music has true activism behind it so like that's a no-brainer for the daily show
3: yeah that's awesome
2: it was fun and it's like when you ask your friend to come on the daily show they kind of have to say yes it's kind of nice oh it's yeah like, they don't have yeah, a choice not gonna say no yeah.
3: yeah in terms of jordan jonas mm-hmm. your friend mm-hmm. so you actually you did know him before you guys were friends mm-hmm. he does like wilderness experiences. He's a wilderness yeah. guide and yeah. you took one of his courses. Yeah,
2: I mean, I knew him because my wife bought me for a birthday gift a week in the Bitterroot Mountains at 11,000 feet a week with him to learn and, and other other psychos that wanted to do this. Actually, I think she was just trying to kill me my wife. <laughs> like, here, go to the mountains. So he, yeah. yeah he,
3: she texted me, she was like, ah, it didn't
2: work. Didn't work, he's coming back <laughs> alive. And even worse, he's not, never gonna stop talking about this trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he teaches you survival s- skills. Uh, we had food and everything. It wasn't like I was procuring. We we did have 24 hours where we only ate what we procured from the land. Oh, okay. That was wild. I shot a grouse. I ate a shitload of huckleberries. We caught f- trout in the stream. Uh, so that was very cool, and had gave me a whole new appreciation of human connection to food. Mm-hmm. I would probably describe myself as someone that hunting makes feel icky, uh, yeah. I don't like love the idea of killing an animal, but then I think about my purchase at the grocery store and it's like a lot of animal it's, stuff.
3: And it's kind of like worse. It's way worse. Yeah. It's
2: way worse. And it's like oftentimes I'll throw meat away. It's gone bad. I don't even know what this animal looks like. And so I really had a profound. You don't
3: know what a cow looks
2: like? <laughs> I don't know what a cow looks like. <laughs> I had a profound experience out there feeling really connected to nature. Uh, and Jordan is such a patient. I mean, I am like an idiot when I don't know how to sharpen a knife. I don't know how to do anything stuff. And he's like a guy who can survive in the wilderness on his own, truly. And he's patient enough to teach me how to make a fish hook. It was it was really fun and cool experience. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. When I, when I went back to see him before the show, he said, "Well, now I'm in your world, huh?" Because it was like <laughs> this was a lot, this was this was a lot for him.
3: You're like, yeah, get your
1: knife, yeah, buddy. Yeah, get your knife out, buddy. Let's <laughs> let's go stab somebody.
3: As terms of, like, the work that goes into it. Like, you know, we both, we usually come to work every day, do stand-up at night. Now both, you know, we have two kids, family. what are
2: we doing?
3: Terrible (laughs) it? Well, you have
2: twins. Are we allowed to say that? I mean...
3: Yeah, you can say it. Yeah. Oh, does it feel good to come to work? Yeah, it's like a break. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) this past Sunday night, I was exhausted. I was like, I can't wait to go to work tomorrow and relax. (laughs) I
2: know. And then what happens when they get older is... I start. I hate this, hate to admit this. I love my children, but I start to see the weekends as the workdays, and the workdays <laughs> as the weekends. So, I mean, and I
3: love both. But I mean, we also yeah, are yeah. lucky that we do have a pretty fun job. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, like, that's true. It, it is like I'm oh. not like
2: pressing aluminum steel. Into <laughs> yeah, it. I'm like yeah. I get to go and
3: hang out with yeah. cool people yeah. and write jokes funny all day. Jokes, yeah. What was that workload like? Being the host, did you notice a like a massive difference of what it really took from you day to day?
2: It is wild that. The more you're involved, the more the show feels like your show, mm-hmm. you know, so I was very appreciative that you get to that morning meeting at 9 a.m. before the writers meeting and you can help select some of the stories. And it's like that really starts things off. Yeah. Um, but the heart, the hardest part. Is you go all day working on the show, and then at like six, you're supposed to be Mr. Funny Guy. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted at six. <laughs> I want to go home. Yeah. So, also, I don't know what happens if the host has a dentist appointment or an emergency or is sick because the writers have to get going. And if you don't have the feedback, I guess you probably just get used more used to the yeah. host point you just of view.
3: Task grab at a guy to come fix your right. teeth. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> In your office. Yeah. You,
2: yeah. You you have a dentist come to the office, yeah. but. I got better with the workload as the week went on. Mm-hmm. Part of the sadness of guest hosting is you kind of feel like you understand what's going on and when it's over. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like a vacation. Like, I know that's my dive bar this vacation. And it's like, you're, <laughs> yeah. going, you're going home tomorrow.
3: But I know Carlos, my server. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's a hard job. It's a slog. It's a day job. It makes me laugh when I read that these celebrities want the job. They don't want the job. Yeah. They want their name on the poster. Yeah. It's a hard job. You
3: got to, like, be at work yes. at 9 a.m. Yes, correct. Every day. And
2: then if you don't know a subject, you got to start to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. It's- so that's what's fun for me. But it's it's a hard job. And I remember at the Emmys a couple years ago when everyone was, like, waiting for their bus. Because that to me that seems like all I ever remember of the Emmys is never knowing where your bus is. Somebody from Succession, one of the EPs, was like what you guys do is actually noteworthy. Oh, yeah. The fucking Succession EP was like, you guys have a hard job. We're just playing make-believe over here. And I was like, well, then give us more time at the fucking Emmys. (laughs) I
3: know. (laughs) Yeah, like we get like uh, the writers and different categories are like, oh, you guys can be at the Creative Arts Emmys and we're not going to televise those categories. And it's like, all right. I know. One of the things we have every guest host do is a deep dive into a particular topic that may not get a lot of attention or is really important to them. And you wanted to tackle the plastic water bottle crisis that's killing the environment.
2: Let's talk about water. It's the thing you hope you just sat in on the subway. (laughs) According to doctors, we're supposed to drink water basically every day. And in America, most of us do that with the help of these. The number one packaged drink in the United States isn't Coke or Gatorade or even Haterade, it's bottled water. We Americans buy 50 billion disposable water bottles a year. And I know what you're thinking, oh, shit, another depressing environment story. So can I not even drink water without ruining my children's future? But that's the thing. This is one environment story that actually has a really easy solution. And I'm going to tell you what it is in another installment of Long Story Short.
3: What made you pick that and how did you feel it worked on the show and what did you do to like, yeah. prepare for it?
2: I like water stories. I believe it might. Is it hydrologist? Is that the word that's in there?
3: Hydrologist. The,
2: hydrologist. But also the other word that I really like is limnology. The study of fresh water. Oh, I'm I know. I might, I might be pronouncing it wrong. Total nerd. <laughs> I love water. I love water. It sounds funny to say into a microphone. You
3: sound very high. Right I, now.
2: <laughs> I fucking love water. I'm a Michigander. We're surrounded by water. We take it for granted. All these other problems in our world, social problems, they, they they only exist because we're like functioning as humans with flesh because we have water. So it starts with this passion for water. The water bottle became a pitch in the water world that I really resonated with and that was like, oh my God, we all do this. I mean, Americans using 50 billion plastic bottles a year. Thankfully, since I put out this piece, people have been tweeting pictures of me with plastic bottles, kind of like, oh yeah, Mr. Hotshot, you know? So I was like, yeah, gotcha. So I want to be known to everybody that uh, yes, I have used a plastic bottle in my life and maybe that's how I know about the subject. Um, He's
3: being honest, admitting his mistakes, growing and changing. Right,
2: growing and changing. How did it work? I think it worked great. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I don't know, like, how we determine that. Like, have, did plastic bottle consumption go down after this piece? That'd be nice to know. Oh, I'll check Get on a podcast Emily department.
3: Oster, what's the data Yeah, on that? <laughs> exactly.
2: One of my favorite parts of the piece is what you have in your hands right now. I have it.
3: this giant, massive yeah. half-gallon yeah. that I fill twice a day.
2: I love that you have that. God, that's a big one, too. That's
3: great. Because I don't have to keep getting up to refill No, it's excellent. It's
2: excellent. And... It was really important for me that this, long story short, had an answer, had a solution. Yeah. Really important. Because we're all tired of hearing that the climate's changing and then just being like, okay, well, I can't, what what do you want me to do? Uh, Fight big oil? Yeah. Using a refillable water bottle cuts down on fossil fuels, creates less waste, and could even save you $16,000 over its lifetime. That's enough to pay for a luxury vacation or 16 shitty vacations. <laughs> so long story short, this is like the easiest choice in the history of no-brainers. If everyone in the United States just went with the reusable water bottles, we'd save money, solve an environmental crisis. And the best part of that is then that's one less environmental crisis you'd have to hear people like me bitching about. You probably already have nine of these. <laughs> Open a cabinet in your kitchen and one will fall on you. <laughs> and tomorrow, start using it. That's how you save the planet. One of the favorite parts of the piece was when it was like, hey, open your kitchen cupboard right now. You have nine of these things already. Yeah. Like, you already have them. So people just them you as gifts and yeah. you're like, I don't want this. Yeah, just you already use it. So it's simple. If people take one thing from it, it's just re- use a reusable water bottle. I truly believe and. Twenty years we're gonna look back on this time frame like our parents look back on smoking oh, yeah. and be like, Oh, you just used a disposable water bottle of it? You used what eight yeah.
3: a day. Eight a
2: day? Yeah. So it's ridiculous. So it was a small little attack. I hope and I hope it I hope it helped.
3: Yeah. I yeah. hope Poland Springs comes from Yeah, come. Well,
2: Poland Springs can still sell us water, but just yeah. sell it in a reusable really water bottle for double the price. Container. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. You said you like water stories really quick. I have what? I'm not sure what you mean by water stories. Maybe we'll share this one one and we'll see. I do have twins. I'll make this quick. And so I drink a lot of water so I can make enough breast milk for them. It's so important. And at the very beginning, I was drinking so much water. Mm -hmm. I gave myself hyponatremia. No. Yes.
2: I've never known anybody to actually get this. I had it
3: because I started feeling, you know, nauseous, sick, dead, like dizzy. And so I went to the doctor. They took my blood. I had washed out all my electrolytes. I had no. Chloride. You
2: over over I
3: overwatered, And my doctor was like, just stop drinking water. I
2: have never heard anybody. I mean, I'm fully believe that this entire world would be way healthier and less war. And anger if we were just more hydrated. But you are the one I, example. I'm the one who took it a it. little
3: too far. Yeah. Plenty of breast milk, though. I had a lot of breast milk. Right. But you know, I looked it up and they were like, super athletes get this. People who use party drugs like ecstasy. Oh, because they
2: overdrink? Yeah. yeah. And I
3: was just like, That's so oh, fun. well, we can add <laughs> lactating others to that list.
2: I thought you could give babies water.
3: Oh yeah, you're, not supposed you're not supposed to, to do that. Yeah, did was, you learn that the hard way. <laughs> I didn't, but
2: I was like probably filling up a bottle, and my wife was like, "What yeah. the fuck are you doing?"
3: Yeah. Also, they can just take a bath by themselves too, right? Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but it's good that you drank that much water.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing it. Before we do wrap up, was there okay. anything that really stood out from your hosting week that you wanted to talk about or or say? You know, to share that maybe you didn't get a chance to.
2: I think the viewers know this. Because they're really loyal to us, but there's just so many people involved. Yeah, um, and I tried to thank a lot of people, but you 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 leave the building going like, oh audio, or oh like the graphics. There's just so many people connected to the show that work hard, and it's it's just a really fun team environment. Yeah. I love stand up, too, because I get to say and do whatever I want. But it's fun to be in a team environment. where We're all moving towards the same goal, which is to shoot the show.
3: And it's to make you look good.
2: And it's to make me look good.
3: And one day we'll accomplish.
2: That. Even Deez is tonight. He's out there trying to make me look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, but I, I was very appreciative of the week. And you the writers did an excellent job making me feel like me. Thank you. Good. That's important. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome, Kat. So. And
3: how did your family feel like about you hosting? Like, it was, you support from yeah, it
2: was great. Yeah, it was great. I said on my own podcast, the tennis, anyone podcast with Michael Costa that I don't understand how anybody could do this without like a supportive partner. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't home all week. My kids came to the show Monday. I, I, I kissed them on the head and then ran into the writer's room. So, this was a team effort all around. I felt very supported at home. That's very important. And then to have the enthusiasm of my wife, too, who kept coming to the shows and bringing her friends. Like, that's so oh, fun. That's nice. It's like when you start doing stand-up and, and the girl you're dating like, is like, oh, I do want to see your show. You're For like, what? For the first
3: time in her life, she was <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> exactly.
2: Possibly. Or she's just like, no, you actually have something fun to go to now. It's not just like a bar show. And, <laughs> a bar and, show at yeah, 10, 10 p.m. in, in P- Brooklyn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I felt a lot of love and it makes you feel good inside. And then Monday I came back to this studio to shoot something because they needed to throw me off a ledge and die in a project (laughs) conspiracy piece. And I said, this is perfect. You're like,
3: yep. And And I'm I'm back. back.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for uh, asking me such cool questions, Kat.
3: Oh, Hey, anytime. And again, I really, I think you crushed it. It was super fun. And you know, everyone at the show, and the writing staff especially, I think everyone had a blast that week, and we're cheering for you, and wanted you to succeed, and you did.
2: That's nice. I felt it. Thank you. All right, awesome. Thanks for listening to The Daily Show Ears Edition. I'm Michael Costa.
3: And I'm Kat Radley.
1: Explore more shows from The Daily Show podcast universe by searching The
2: Daily Show, wherever you get your podcasts. Watch the daily show weeknights at 11,
1: 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount Plus.
0: This has been a Comedy Central podcast. <coughs> Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80.